0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Do you feel like I do right now? Do you feel like I do? Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And that cadence call is the call that we all know. And it means it's time for David's pick. And we have a wonderful guest on today. Uh, and we're looking forward to talking to her about... And we both have a very unique interest. Uh We have Pat... Wilbanks Banks DeWitt on, and, uh, we'll get into, uh, what we're gonna be talking about, but we do have one thing in common, and that's, uh, our interest in young folks, and our interest in them being a part of the military at some point, and, uh, we'll be talking about a very interesting foundation that, uh, supports our youth. But before we get started, we've, we've sort of changed everything around here with, uh, David's pick, and, uh, because of a friend of mine that's uh, gone through surgery and uh, we took out a moment to, he was a victim of Agent Orange and he's doing quite well as a matter of fact. But uh, when he was going through surgery, we decided to take out just a, mo- a moment for everybody, a moment of silence for everybody to think about our veterans, Obviously, that's the past, our present, that are serving today, and our future military that is the backbone of our country. And uh, we have so many wonderful veterans. Uh, we're losing, unfortunately, many, many veterans daily that uh, were Of World War II, the greatest generation. And now we're losing a lot of our Vietnam veterans uh, that are getting up in age like I am. So we're going to take just a minute and um, if you don't uh, mind, just uh, think about our veterans and our military. And we'll be right back with Pat DeWitt right after. Okay. Thank you. And, uh, Pat, you're on the line with us on America's web radio, correct? Good morning, David. Good morning. How are you doing down there, uh, in, uh, Cornelia? Actually, I live in Monroe. Oh, in Monroe. Okay. I'm sorry. You (laughs) told me that and I didn't write it down, but you grew up in Cornelia, right?
1: I did. I certainly did. And that's a little town in Northeast Georgia.
0: And, uh, it has it has the distinction of having one of the few Medal of Honor recipients, and uh, I wasn't about to say the other word for fear that you'd come up and uh, hit me on the head. But we're <laughs> we're slowly learning that a Medal of Honor recipient is not the same as because there are no winners, and that is correct. Uh, you know what what a uh, an individual goes through to become a recipient is just absolutely incredible. And this is, we're going to be talking about your brother. And uh, then we're going to be talking about something that uh, is near and dear to me is, is your foundation in his name. Your brother was Hilliard Wilbanks. And uh, he uh, was a pilot in Vietnam. And, um, uh, was from what you said he had he had almost lived for the moment tell me something about as you all were growing up what was uh, some of his favorite things and uh, uh, he was your older brother but- that's
1: correct i have three older brothers um actually about 11 years later i came along <laughs> so <laughs> i practically grew up by myself um
0: that sounds like my little sister. I'm 13 years older than she is.
1: Oh, well, we have. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> uh, we actually grew up in Cornelia in a very conservative family. Uh, and of course, mom and dad had four children three sons and one daughter, me. Um, our dad had a tractor and farm equipment business, and mother worked as a seamstress in a factory. So, Hittered uh, was the oldest son. He was smart, a great student, and always did his best in everything he was involved with. He, he loved football, and he played football in high school, and he even played the piano for a little country church that we attended, and he delivered newspapers riding his bicycle on a Sunday morning.
0: <laughs> there, and, um, there again, we have something in common. That's, uh, I had a bicycle with my bag on it. Yes, <laughs> Exactly. And unfortunately, on my route was the editor of the paper, and so I had to put his on the porch.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) But he graduated from Cornelia High School in 1950 at the age of 16. Um, Back in those days, there were only 11 grades in Habersham County, and of course, um, uh, during that summer, he turned 17. And promptly joined the Air Force. Cornelia um, is a very small town back in those days, and I think that he didn't see a lot of potential there, so I was two years old when he left home. Um, our family history has some interesting things. Our great-great-grandfather had fought for, for the Confederacy, and um, other ancestors, of course, fought down for freedom down the line, and our our dad was too young to serve in World War One, but he was too old to serve in World War Two. But many of our uncles um, paid the sacrifice of leaving home to serve, and I think this had a lot to do with his um, interest in the military. All three of our brothers, my brothers, served in the military, as well as my husband. So. He was um, an all-around good person, very committed to his country, and he had great faith in his fellow man and always looked for and expected the best from people. Um, I have been told that he and some of his buddies would hang out to watch the World War II paratroopers march through Cornelia as they were on their way to Atlanta from training at Camp Toccoa. Hmm. Um, Mama and Daddy couldn't afford to send us to college, so I thought I'm sure he thought, that joining the Air Force would be a good way to advance himself and further his education.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, So how old was he when he joined?
1: He had just turned 17 in July, and he joined the 1st of August.
0: Wow. So that was a tender age. Hmm. And uh, where did he go first? i i'm i am a veteran but uh i was army and i my the only thing i know about the air force is that i have a son that's a major in the air force so (laughs) that's a that's about (laughs) as much as i know about it and uh he won't tell me what he does or he says you know the old line i I could tell you but then i'd have to kill you and (laughs) neither one of us are too anxious about that
1: right exactly Well, Hilliard started out after basic training in his enlisted years. Of course, he went in as enlisted, and he served as a military policeman. Um, Most of those four years was spent in Tucson, Arizona. Um, He had some uh, overseas TDY duty, but toward the end of that four-year enlistment commitment, he was selected to test for OCS, Officer Candidate School, an aviation cadet um he was accepted and became a distinguished graduate in his pilot training class of 55 p the of course that's 1955 and the the uh, alphabetical listing of the training classes he was down to the letter p as in Pat. the final six months of his training was learning to fly jet mm. and so From soloing in a tiny Cessna all the way up through jet pilot training, that had all just taken 15 months. Um, And his rank changed to second lieutenant, and he graduated with honors. He had really found what he loved, and those pilot wings were his dream come true. So that was, he was off and running.
0: (laughs) That's a terrific story, and... um you know, I – we get a lot of stories uh, and and how it is a dream come true. And I'm going to take the, just a moment just to mention the fact that if we have parents or grandparents that are listening, uh, veterans, and you have grandkids or if they're young people that have just graduated from high school or college, the military can do so much and be so much for you. Um my son graduated from a little school called Texas A and M, uh, and was in uniform the whole time. Obviously, was in the corps, and uh, then he went on into the Air Force, and uh, and he went through a Air Force ROTC at A and M, uh, and he loves it. And he's just moved, he and his wife have just moved back from Germany and uh, into uh, Shaw Air Force Base, so. If you get a taste of the military, it is absolutely fantastic. So your brother found what he loved to do. And uh, what's the old saying? If if you love what you're doing, you never have to have a job or you never have a job.
1: And I really think he felt that way about it because he absolutely loved flying and he loved the Air Force. So I think he could say that. Uh, actually he has a, uh, granddaughter, um, who married a, uh, corpsman who had graduated from Texas A&M and wow. he is now serving in the Marine Corps. Um, he is out in California right now. So, um, that, that's the first, um, of the military, uh, grandchildren to come along. So, um, to join one of our services so
0: we're real proud of him so after uh, and his wife's name i believe was pam is that correct uh his, his wife's name is rosemary rosemary i'm sorry i don't know where i uh, i'm sorry anyway uh so you all got the knock on the door at approximately the same time that uh uh he had gone down in vietnam correct
1: um, it was the next day, I think, the next morning. Um, I don't know how much time had actually passed, but um, uh, a knock came at our front door, or my mother and daddy's front door. I was already married and living away from home, but uh, and it, um, as close to that same time, a knock came at Rosemary's door. She was living in Rose in uh, Mississippi with her parents um, <clears throat> to tell us that he had died in battle. He had been in Vietnam 11 months and was scheduled to return home in just a few weeks. And this was his 488th mission. But before he left to go to Vietnam, um, uh, Rosemary is an only child. So um, it was, it seemed right for her to stay with her mom and dad in Mississippi while he was going to be gone for that year. they made the decision uh, for uh, her to stay there. Of course, by this time, they had two small children. Um, I think there were three and five. And she had just found out just a few weeks before he was to leave the state that um, they were expecting twins. And, of course, he left uh, and... uh, After much consideration, they talked about, you know, whether he should ask for a delay uh, in leaving or to go ahead as scheduled. But they uh, did decide to go ahead as scheduled so that he could get back as soon as possible. And of course, the twins were born two weeks after he left the state. They Mm -hmm. were born early, so he never got to see them except in pictures.
0: Wow. You know, this is something else that, uh, that we do, and, and that's and, – and it really came to pass in uh, when the Desert Shield and Desert Storm and, and many, uh, many of our reservists were called up. But on active duty and when you're deployed, you know, the family is in the military just as much as the person, be it man or woman, that's serving, you know. And yeah. uh, a lot of times we we forget, and we only look at quote unquote the soldier or the person in uniform. When you know all of the family members, whether it's brothers, sisters, mother, dad, whatever it is, children, they're all in support of that person that's wearing the uniform. And uh, we, uh, I, I look back on. I wasn't born when my father was in the in the service, but I look back on letters that he and my mother shared, and and uh, and just I love history and looking back on. Ah, uh, when you were gone for six months, you were gone for six months, and uh, you were lucky to have gotten one or two, maybe three letters within that period of time, and. Uh, you know today with our electronics we're blessed and even in vietnam you didn't have the electronics that we have today and uh it's it's got to ease some of the separation pain between the members of the family and and the one that's serving wherever they are
1: right that's correct
0: and uh you know we we support the families of our military and Always pray for them and wish them the best as they're suffering through separation and it's tough. It's very tough. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, back to your brother and and, uh, the information that you'd received, and then I want to, you know, sort of turn it back into uh, uh, what you all did after that.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, part of his job. Or, well, his job while he was in Vietnam, I would like to, to talk just a little bit about that. Sure. Um, Vietnam was divided into four military regions, <coughs> excuse me, and he was assigned to two corps, and that is in the Central Highlands of, of Vietnam. Most of his time was working out of uh, Baaloc and Galat. And of course, today you hear about Galat being the garden uh, area of Vietnam, that it is so beautiful and that sort of thing. And, of course, in his letters that he wrote home, he talked about how pretty the country was. But his job over there was a forward air controller flying, flying the 01 Bird Dog. And the Bird Dog is a tiny, unarmed, Cessna-type aircraft. Um, not just sleek jets, that he was used to flying. And the O-1s were used by the Air Force. Of course, the Army, I believe, used the l nineteen. But they were very similar, and all were referred to as bird dogs. Um, it, could, uh, it could reach uh, uh, 150 miles per hour in an emergency, but the normal cruising speed was only 104 miles per hour. Um, it had two Seats that forward air controllers usually flew alone. Sometimes they would have an observer in the back seat, but they carried no ordnance. The only thing that they carried was four white phosphorus smoke rockets that were attached underneath the wing, <clears throat> and those rockets were used to mark targets. So when the forward air controller marked a target, the command to the infight- incoming fighters was, hit my smoke. Um, Of course, the job every day was to fly low and slow in these small spotter airplanes, conducting visual reconnaissance in the same areas every day. They would become familiar with the terrain and regular activity in their sector, noticing that if any big changes had taken place, and they knew all the places that the enemy could hide, each forward air controller got to know his area like the back of his hand. And, of course, the job was to support our troops and the friendlies on the ground. And the bird dog um, provided a good way to really see what was happening on the ground. So um, his job was to alert the ground forces when an enemy was spotted to mark the target with his smoke rocket and to call in the firepower. Um, at forward air controllers actually uh, directed all firepower Uh, for battles in Vietnam and after the attack he would be called back in to assess the damage after the battle was over these little planes were so vulnerable Um, small arms fire from the ground could easily penetrate the cockpit and his only weapon was his pistol and an M16 that he carried for self-defense in case his plane was shot down and he had to defend himself on the ground The job was certainly not without great risk, and they carried huge bounties on their heads. Um, If the enemy could shoot down a forward air controller, that was a huge, huge deal. And I certainly did not understand how dangerous that job was.
0: You know, (laughs) quite frankly... Any job in Vietnam was dangerous, and some Absolutely. were some were more dangerous than others. And you know, in the in the army, we, we call them for uh, forward observers, FOS. And uh, your your brother was doing exactly the same thing that many others did on the ground. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a dangerous position to be in. We're gonna. I want to remind you that we'll be taking a break in about six minutes and uh, then we'll have about 30 minutes to wind up so um, after he was shot down uh, was it was it uh, or do you all know for a fact that it was KIA or
1: um yes we knew pretty um well we knew quickly that that he had been killed yes um it was a a week or so before his body arrived back in the United States and his funeral service was in Mississippi and he was buried in the town of Fayette. Uh, Rosemary's um, grandparents lived in Fayette and they had been married in that little town at her grandmother's home um, back in 1956. And so they Uh, made the decision before he left the state that that's where he wanted to be buried. So um, it was later that same year uh, after we were notified that um, he would be presented posthumously with the Medal of Honor for his heroic actions on the battlefield. Um, The whole family was flown to Washington, and the ceremony took place at the Pentagon. Um, Several of the eyewitnesses to the battle and what had happened that day were present for the ceremony, along with his commanding officer, Colonel Norman Mueller. Um, The Medal of Honor was presented to Rosemary on January 24th, 1968. That was just 11 months after he had died. And it was presented by the Secretary of the Air Force, Mr. Harold Brown, and Chief of Staff, General McConnell. They also presented her with the Distinguished Flying Cross, the Air Medal with 19 Oak Leaf Clusters, and, of course, that um, uh, is made up from the number of missions that he had flown, the Air Force Commendation Medal, and the Purple Heart.
0: Hmm. That must have been uh, quite a, an experience for you and your parents.
1: It was. It was. And I have to uh, say that over these last 50-plus years, our family has been blessed to be able to talk with and meet some face-to-face, some of the eyewitnesses to the battle and the heroism that they saw that day. Um, And they have shared how fierce the battle was and how desperate the situation for all of them really was. One of the American advisors on the ground told us that when Hitter called in on the radio um, to alert them of the enemy being dug in and ready to ambush, um, Hitter told them that it would be four or five minutes before firepower from the jets would reach them. And the response from the American advisors was, well, that will be four or five minutes too late. Um, they were desperate and facing terrible odds. So Heatard understood this position and with without regard to his own personal safety he did all he could to distract the enemy, hoping to give the Rangers and their American advisors time to retreat by drawing enemy fire up to himself and the bird dogs. He made repeated passes over the enemy and even resorted to firing his M sixteen out the window of the plane. And that is courage, that is sacrifice, and that is patriotism. So the fact that we have had contact with some of these eyewitnesses, some of the folks that he saved, has been a very important part of losing him and going through the grief process. And it has definitely given us some peace about it. And an important part is that most of those contacts, contacts that we have had with them have taken place just in the last few years. Hmm. So that is, um, that is many years without knowing much of anything about the actual uh, battle and hearing from people firsthand. To us, that was a great gift. And in conversations either in person or on the phone, some of these men have told us that they have not even spoken of Vietnam or the actions that took place on the battle that day, until our phone call to him, to them. So hopefully it was healing for them as well as for us.
0: You know, speaking of healing, we uh, in Johns Creek, Georgia, we have the Healing Wall. Uh, are you familiar with that, Pat?
1: Yes, I am.
0: Okay, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's quite a story of of what a little town can do like Johns Creek and uh, when they have leadership like Mike Mazzell that brought the Healing Wall which is a replica of the Vietnam Wall in Washington D.C. and it's now as a permanent home in Newtown Park in Johns Creek Georgia and uh, it's going to have a kiosk very shortly that uh, will you'll be able to type in a name and find out exactly where that name is With that being said, we're going to take a quick break on America's Web Radio and uh, then we're going to come back and talk about the future a little bit. And uh, we'll be back with Pat right after this. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening to David's Pick, which we have turned David's Pick into basically uh, uh, talking about veterans and uh, the pin- potential of recruiting and so forth and so on. And so after your brother died in Vietnam, shot down, was he in a 172 or.
1: Uh, it was
0: more like a one hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifty. I think. Uh-huh. Okay, so it. he was in a high wing Cessna, huh? Absolutely. Right. Okay. I uh, I did some training in that, but I I preferred the low wings. But anyway, so after after he died, you all, how many years after before you all started the foundation? Oh, many, many. <laughs>
1: okay, many. <laughs> Actually, the. Um, we sort of have to fast forward his story uh, to 2000, the year 2000. Um, actually, 30 years had passed since the Medal of Honor had been presented. Um, and it sort of uh, goes in sort of a chronological order, if you'll bear with me. sure. Um, for, first of all, for many years, we had no real contact with Rosemary and the children in Mississippi. Um, our dad had died early on, uh, shortly after he died, and then some issues um, came about that caused a separation within our family. And our mom died in 1995 without really knowing these four grandchildren that lived in Mississippi. But you know, God's timing is always right. His ways are much better than our ways. So, um, what happened was some tributes to his memory began happening. Up to this point, nothing had, had been done to honor him. Um, uh, so, God used these events that I'm going to tell you briefly about that lead up to the founding of the foundation. Um, these events led to putting our family back together. So, I have to say, thanks be to God. And the first thing that happened was in the year 2000 um, that forward air controllers actually who served in the war in Southeast Asia got together and decided to have a reunion in the year 2000 and they created a beautiful memorial in the airport at Hulbert Field in Florida. That's the Fort Walton Beach area. Hulbert is where they all trained before going to Vietnam. So this memorial was to honor the 233 Ford Air Controllers who died during the Vietnam War. There was a huge turnout for this reunion, and over 700 Ford Air Controllers gathered for this special day. Special honor was given to the two Ford Air Controllers who had received the Medal of Honor, Captain Higgard Wilbank from Georgia and Captain Stephen Bennett from Texas. So this brings me back to the family story. Hidded's Mississippi family and his Georgia family met once again at this historic Reunion to honor Hilliard, and to God be the glory for all that happening. Then, um, then the following year in 2001, several things happened to honor Hilliard. He was inducted into the Georgia Aviation Hall of Fame and Warner Um There are two Air Force Medal of Honor recipients from the state of Georgia: Hilliard and Colonel Joe Jackson of Noonan. And those have been inducted into the Aviation Hall of Fame and have a special monument on the grounds of, um, of the museum um, about their heroic um, things in Vietnam. That same year, a hometown community uh, sponsored a beautiful granite memorial for Higgard in Cornelia. Um, this ceremony was complete with Robins Air Force Base providing the color guard and the twenty one gun salute and Shaw Air Force Base, South Carolina providing a missing man formation flyover.
0: That's where um, um that's where my son is now.
1: Actually, uh my husband and I were stationed there the four years he was in the Air Force. Oh, okay. So there's another commonality. <laughs> um also the Bird Dog um excuse me, the International Bird Dog Association provided a flyover for that ceremony. So that was really special. Another tribute that same year was a building dedication ceremony at Fort Benning for the new home of the 1707th Air Support Operation Squadron. They chose to name the building after Hitter because the 1707th provides air support for all Army operations on the battlefield in today's world. Or at least they did back in 2001. <laughs> I'll, I'll make that uh, clear. And those operations are similar to what he did as a board air controller in Vietnam. And then later, um, a couple of years later in 2003, his class of 55P, the pilot training class, dedicated a beautiful bench at the Air Force Museum Memorial Gardens at Wright Patt in Dayton, Ohio. So um, several wonderful things led up.
0: To the founding of the foundation. Well, um, we've only we've got about twenty five minutes left, so want to keep that in the back of our mind. Uh, as okay, we, as we're talking about this. So, okay. if if you can um, sort of speed it up just a little bit.
1: All right, <laughs> and. Um, The foundation was established as a result of the Habersham County Board of Education's decision to name the new middle school in the county after my brother. Um, We had a local champion, Mr. Ted Smith, who put together a committee. Um, This was an unprecedented decision for the board to agree to name the school uh, for an individual. It had never been done before. And, of course, this was for 6th, 7th, 8th graders of the Here Today Middle School. Um, wow. We put together a dedication committee and began fundraising and, and uh, for the dedication day. And all um, to make a long story short, this committee uh, actually turned into the board of directors for the beginning of the Here Today Foundation. Um, we took care of all the legal stuff, and that's how it began, with a mission statement um, being threefold: to honor and remember Captain willbank uh, by perpetuating his legacy of courage, sacrifice, and patriotism. Uh, the second point was to raise funds for JROTC's scholarship, and the third point was to raise awareness of the Medal of Honor and its meaning. So, we've done, um several things at the middle school. We continue to support them in various activities Um, and of course the greatest achievement I think that the foundation has achieved is to set up a permanent endowment at the University of North Georgia. Um, This creation uh, of the Captain Henry Lay Wilbanks Medal of Honor Memorial Scholarship will keep his memory alive. Um, forever. So um, we have been able to give eight $4,000 scholarships to JROTC cadets from the New York East Georgia area in the early years of the foundation. Um, uh, it was, and then, of course, it was always my dream of building an endowment to uh, have a lasting scholarship in memory of him, and of course that happened. Um, you might want to ask why um, we chose the University of North Georgia. Um, it is one of the six senior military colleges in our nation, and their Corps of Cadets is an outstanding program uh, that produces future leaders in our military. It's actually known as the Military College of Georgia, and our Board of Directors chose UNG because the majority of the earlier scholarships that we had given um, those recipients had had chose to attend UNG. It is one of the more affordable military colleges. So this setting up this um Medal of Honor Memorial Scholarship uh will certainly um, help young cadets as they pursue that undergraduate degree and of course hopefully commission into our military to actively serve our
0: country. How do you do you feel like uh today that um our kids have the same feeling that your brother had about joining.
1: No, not really. I do not. Um, I think I think the JROTC programs um, that our country has, uh, whether they're Marine Corps, Army, Navy, Air Force programs, I think they do a fantastic job in. Uh, teaching our kids leadership and the importance of patriotism. And um, I I just wish more young people would see that as a very important
0: part. Well, you know, if if I can add in on this, uh, we look at the parents, and the parents are the ones that decide ultimately the history books in our schools. They decide a lot, and they they have to they can't let their kids down by not teaching them and every every kid should be aware of world war 2 the korean war and the vietnam war and then desert shield and desert storm and you know i one of the things that i feel like and i can't put any numbers to this at all but that you know there was a reason for the pandemic and a lot of we've heard from a lot of parents that didn't realize the lack of information in many of our history books and they've taken their kids and gone back and explained Vietnam explained Korea and then Vietnam and so forth and so on and uh, this is something that we, we actively pursue is that we get better history books and this is one thing that I love about the junior ROTC is that they go back and I've met a couple of them that uh, are the uh, command, well, I, I say commanding officers they're the ones that are in charge of the programs in Noonan and uh, elsewhere that they unfortunately have to take the task of becoming the history teacher and you know if if kids understood the sacrifices that uh, the greatest generation and I certainly include Vietnam veterans in that generation uh, they were raised by the greatest generation and you know appreciate what they have gone through and I appreciate the job that they're, that all of the junior ROTC Facilities you're doing across the country, and I think the work. How can people contact you, and how can folks give to your foundation?
1: Okay, um, we would love for people to be to visit our website, which is org. and um, we are. Um, online. We have a good website and one of our directors has even um, created a um, website for our Medal of Honor recipients from Georgia. So um, we're, we're proud of that and we would just love to be able to hear from anybody. Our address of course is on there. It's Cornelia Georgia. Um, I'm not sure
0: of the post office box right off the top of my head. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, Pat, let me ask you. You've got you've got a, a, in my opinion, a heck of a story to tell. And what you all have done with a loss has made it into a positive with the foundation. Right. Are you willing to uh, to give talks about the foundation uh, at different uh, meetings?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I have prepared a PowerPoint, um, that we use sometimes for, um, uh, meetings and I would love to, um, share that with
0: any and everybody. Good. Uh, you know, and this is, this is one of the things that, um. Uh we talk about, too, on our classic car show, and, well, what are you doing talking about classic cars in in this show? Well, you know, we as a country sometimes overlook the value and the wealth of our parents, and particularly our grandparents, and if you're fortunate enough to have great-grandparents, to sit down and talk to them, and, you know, we're losing hundreds of thousands daily that were involved in world war ii and the number of vietnam veterans is that we're losing is rapidly uh catching up with the world war ii veterans and you know i i personally like idioms i love stories and tells and we always Mm -hmm. or generally will ask um our guests, if they know one veteran that can tell one story, and nobody knows that veteran, there's not one made, and they may not they may or may not talk about their experience in war, but they'll talk about their best buddy, they'll talk about, you know, some of the shenanigans they pulled in basic or AIT or whatever the case might be, but they all have stories. And uh, our kids need to know, and this this sounds crazy, but our kids need to know their grandparents. And the grandparents need to know their grandchildren and relate to them about their experiences. And um, the other thing that we've had here at the station is that we've never interviewed, and I can pretty well say that, well, I, I can. We've never interviewed a veteran that... If called upon, wouldn't put the uniform back on. And once you've taken that oath, and once you've, and uh, many of them, if not all, again live by uh, John's fifteen thirteen: Greater love hath no man to lay down his life for his friends. And uh, you know we've. Talk to many, many veterans that they all feel the same, and uh, we'll be into anyone that tries to uh, attack the United States.
1: Right. Well, one thing that we have done in the Foundation is to try to raise awareness of the Medal of Honor. We have just been uh, shocked that so many people have no clue about the Medal of Honor. And, um, of course, it um, that brings me up to um, the induction into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and I know that's one of your um, special things that you like to plug and give um, praise to Colonel Rick White and Paul Longyear for the work that they began and continue to do with the General the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Um, Hiddard, along with 17 other Georgians, were in the inaugural year, um, inducted into the Hall of Fame with the ceremony in Columbus. And um, I'd like to say that Wilbanks Middle School actually submitted Peter's name for nomination. Um, Their uh, principal is a uh, military brat (laughs) Um, she grew up with a a wonderful patriotic spirit, and she is dedicated to teaching those kids in the middle school and leading them um, with Patriotism in, in the forefront of the school. So, actually, the school mascot was chosen by the students, and their name is as the Patriots. So, we have hope for tomorrow.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's super. That's yeah, super.
1: the um, one of as part of the raising awareness of the Medal of Honor, uh, we are trying to make sure uh, we, the foundation, is trying to make sure that our Georgia's 27 Medal of Honor recipients will all be inducted into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And, of course, the categories for induction are Valor, Service, and Achievement, and the 27 Medal of Honor recipients certainly fit into the Valor category. So in keeping with that uh, part of our mission, we will continue to nominate Medal of Honor recipients for induction into the Hall of Fame. Um to date, I believe there's only been 14 of the 27 to be inducted so far. So I just would say to your listeners, anybody can sit, submit a nomination. Just go to the website for the forms needed for the nomination process. It's not complicated and only requires a small processing fee. So let's all work together to see that Medal of Honor recipients are nominated as well as those other uh, veterans who have given so
0: much for their country. No um, question. And, uh, you know, like you said, we do support uh, the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and uh, Rick White is uh, always of service and helps us with putting together our guest list for our shows. And, uh right. I, he, he talked to you and, and uh, here you are and uh, right. <laughs> you know it, it's it's just you know there's we talk about this too and, and uh, the fact that the military is the biggest fraternity and sorority in the world and the feeling that you have when you're around a brother veteran and uh and or sister, you know, you can talk to them because they know you know, and it all starts with best friendships and basic and AIT or whatever the Air Force calls it, and boot camp for the uh, for the Marines and for the for the Navy, and it it really there's just a feeling of. I guess the best word or words are God and country, and that wraps it up, you know? Yeah. uh, Yeah. There's, uh, I, I obviously never met your brother or anything, but with all the honors and with everything that, uh, he's been awarded, I would bet you dollars to donuts, he'd just sort of scuff his feet and say, oh, shucks, (laughs) twerk nothing. (laughs) You know, um, and uh, he would
1: he would actually be quite humbled and wouldn't want any of this probably. But, um, you know, in, in honoring him, we are um, raising the awareness of the Medal of Honor.
0: Well, with and, with uh, with what you're doing, you're you're saluting all others, and not just Medal of Honor winners, Medal of Honor recipients. It's it's everybody that has served, and, you know, you don't know where where fate is going to lead you or what situation fate's going to put you in, but anybody that raised their hand... Had the had the same opportunity, or the and the government picks and chooses, so they could have picked you or anybody else. And really, like I said, with with what y'all are doing, it's glorifying everybody that served, and not everybody can be a Medal of Honor recipient. That's uh, correct. You know, and there there's stories that have still not been told, and uh, you know, but. The ones that have, that are recipients do need to be honored. And for shame, for shame, uh, for anybody, any age that doesn't know and doesn't respect what it means to be a Medal of Honor recipient.
1: Right. We have three living Medal of Honor recipients in the state of Georgia right now. Um, And uh, we, the foundation has, Tried to honor them in special ways. Um, I don't know if I have time to tell you about the um, um, honoring them at a uh, University of Georgia ball game. Do I have time?
0: Uh, Very quickly.
1: Okay. Um, We have three living recipients from Georgia, and part of our uh, goal was to honor them as well as as other folks, and so the first year uh, we uh, worked in conjunction with the University of Georgia's Athletic Department to recognize our living Medal of Honor recipients during their annual tribute to veterans during one of the varsity football games in the fall. We planted the idea, and they asked us to participate in that. So the first year, we brought Colonel Joe Jackson and his wife, Rosie, back to Georgia once again, from Kent, Washington, to be recognized on the field at the football game as part of UGA's Veterans Day Tribute. The second year, we sponsored General James Livingston, also a Georgia Medal of Honor recipient. who now lives in South Carolina, to be recognized on the field as well. Um, And the foundation was honored to be allowed to escort them on the field during the game. So that was a really, really special day. During the game, pictures of all Georgia's 27 Medal of Honor recipients were shown on that huge jumbo jumbotron. So we provided the material that was used, and as I said, extra ex- special day. I have to say that um, we lost uh, Colonel Jackson last year. We were real sad about that, but we have three living recipients still in the state, and they are... Lieutenant Colonel Ronald Ray from Cordill, Lieutenant Colonel James Sprayberry from LaGrange, and Major General James Livingston from Towns, Georgia. So our country only has 69 Living Medal of Honor recipients at the present time, so um, we need to do all that we can to honor them, as well as all of our veterans everywhere.
0: You know, and this is, uh, again, something that we do that for folks that don't know it, and we've, we, we push, I don't know if you remember or not, but there was a time that we, there was the red shirt Fridays, and we're pushing that again, that uh, you wear a red shirt on Friday out of respect for our military, past, present, and future, our first responders, of which many of them, are veterans and uh, just just uh, you know if you see somebody in uniform or like many uh, many of us can pick out a veteran in an airport and uh, we always we all if we have the opportunity, we buy them a meal. and that's mm-hmm. for first responders or, or any, anyone that's serving the country. And believe it or not, most of the veterans that I know, and first responders, and I've been very fortunate to be all three, but uh, they all do it out of love for what they're doing, and not out of trying to be anything other than the fact that they want to serve. And there's something inbred in these people, and just like with your brother Pat, there, you know, he, there's something in their blood that that says. I got to. I got, this is for, not only, and you know, and they're rewarded in their own ways by their, the satisfaction of what they do. hmm
1: Well, we need, you know, these guys are our real American heroes of today, and should be remembered as such. Our freedom is not free. I remember Tommy Clack uh, saying that over and over and over, and we even have a bumper sticker Our freedom is not free. Um, We live in the greatest country in the world, and it's because young men and young women have been willing to fight for her. So I say God bless our military, God bless the USA, and God bless
0: all of our veterans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, One other question that I like to ask before our guests run off is, This has been very inspiring, and we want to support the foundation and uh, keep talking about it, and not only what you all do on a local basis, but also supporting the uh, Medal of Honor and letting people know. Uh, Pat, uh, will you come back?
1: Oh, certainly. (laughs) This has been a great, great day. I I truly thank you for inviting us to be on.
0: Well, it's it's my pleasure, and uh, I want to thank, uh, like you've done in the past, uh, uh, Colonel Rick White retired, but Colonel White uh, has become a very close friend, and we were together at the uh, uh, JC Healing Wall this past Saturday, and uh, quite a few people showed up for the the stories of the POWs that uh, were captured in Vietnam, and uh, we had uh, the longest enlisted POW and, uh, and several others. And it was, it's always inspiring. And, you know, it's it's easy in our day and age to, well, you know, I got this problem, I got that problem, but Mm -hmm. what these guys have gone through, what our veterans in many cases have gone through is just absolutely beyond. And, uh, you know, we, Actually,
1: uh, if I can insert that, since you're talking about POWs, um, from Habersham County, um, we had uh, a POW, Colonel Ben Purcell, um, who died just a few years ago, but he survived, I think it was like uh, five years being a POW, and um, it was it was fantastic getting, having been able to know him after... All that, and he uh, has a suitcase that he carried around um, with with the objects that he created while he was a prisoner of war. So I really appreciate this um, ceremony that was held in Johns Creek. That was wonderful.
0: Well, had I known you were going to be there, I wish we'd have gotten to uh, bump elbows or whatever
1: well I actually was not present but, oh, okay. Um I, I knew about it and um, had read about it and hope to visit there um, soon
0: well like I mentioned and, and uh, you can almost bet that if you go not only is it inspiring to see it but you'll potentially hear some stories and uh I don't. Do you know Roger Wise by chance? No, I do not. Okay, Roger. Uh, he's one of these that if he's got one, he's got a thousand stories. But one of his stories is meeting a, a mother and her son at the wall, and uh, the son standing up and saying, "I met my father for the first time today." Just as your, just as your family and and kids going to the healing wall would meet. Your brother.
1: Right. We are uh, very much hoping that his children, our he's children, and some of the grandchildren will be more involved with the foundation as time goes on. Uh, Of course, um, a lot of our board members are are getting older, and uh, we would really like to make sure that the foundation has uh, a future and uh, um, there has been some interest from the grandchildren, and we are just very, very excited
0: about that. Pat, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We're out of time, and uh, we want to thank you for coming on today, and uh, we look forward to uh, working with you in the future, and we want to thank Pat DeWitt for coming on, talking about her foundation and her brother's service, and uh, we look forward to... uh, You're all joining us next week on America's Web Radio.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.